Good morning, everyone. Uh, this is Bud. Uh, welcome to the Constipated Christian. Uh, this morning, I'm here with a, um, a new acquaintance of mine. Uh, you might have heard from Kimberly's episode a while back that uh, somebody named Courtney, uh, Courtney McLean, there was two Courtney's mentioned. This is Courtney McLean. Uh, that uh, Kimberly asked me to have her come on, and she just really appreciated um, the stuff that she had done for her in her life. And so I reached out to uh, to um, Courtney, I don't know, like a week or so ago or something, and she um, came by. And so we're here going to uh, do a podcast, and I'm just going to ask her some questions. We haven't done any real preparation. I've asked her a little bit about herself, but... Uh, I'm just going to have her maybe introduce herself and just kind of say a little bit about how you got to where you're at and where you're at now, that kind of thing. And then I'll ask her some questions later on. Go ahead. Uh, my name's Courtney, and um, I work for Placer County um, <clears throat> as a social worker. I've uh, worked uh, for five years with Placer County, and I've worked with the homeless, um, and I currently work with children and families. And prior to that, when you came across Kimberly, you were, what, what was your, how did you come across Kimberly? Um, I was working for a program at the time called Whole Person Care. Um, and we uh, assisted the homeless with um, really a wide range of things. My specific um, job was helping with um, completing disability applications and um, helping the homeless and the at risk of homeless with, with getting social security disability. So it's funny that, uh, <clears throat> you know, uh, a while back when uh, we talked about kind of running out of guests to talk to the people that I know, some uh, that, are, that have actually done things, somebody said, well, why don't you go talk to the people that you ha have helped and see what it means to them, <clears throat> and thereby kind of completing the circle, you know, why we do what we do. So it was interesting that uh, Kimberly, I think, was my first or second one that I, uh, and I am going to do more because I really do enjoy that uh, because it does, I mean, saying all this stuff without having somebody say what it, what it means to them is kind of not completing the sentence almost. So I am going to do more, but, but I just love the fact that uh, when I reached out to her and she was talking, <clears throat> that she shared with me that uh, we, uh, that you and there's another Courtney that meant so much in her life and the, the, the other programs that we do, you know, the food pantry and the, uh, the clothing thing and the gathering and the home start. I mean, she's talked favorably about all those too, but I very seldom have heard people talk favorably about the people from the count and I'm not making a dig on anybody or whatever, but I don't really, ha I don't think I've ever heard of anybody just say, you know, uh, how much they've helped him or whatever. So I was talking to Courtney early on our little pre thing here about, you know, although it, it is her job, she certainly has to have a, a propensity or something that about her that uh, makes her feel uh, that she's kind of drawn to this kind of work or whatever, because we were just talking about the paperwork and stuff uh, filling out for the disability people. And I wouldn't have any patience for that whatsoever. So I'd be the wrong guy. But <clears throat> so uh, what did you do before that? Or are you, I mean, have you always been in this or did you? Um, yeah, I, um, I went to, actually went to a Christian um, undergraduate school. Oh, okay. I went to Corbin College. It's now Corbin University in Oregon. Um, and I initially was going to do journalism and then decided I didn't really like that. Um, and people had always told me that I should be a counselor because mm. I'm a good listener and I'm compassionate and things. So 
you know, I wasn't so sure at the time, you know, at 19, but, um, you know, I switched over, um, and then fell in love with social work specifically. Um, and I think it's just because of, um, the nature of really getting to do such a wide range of things to help people just really interests me. Um, but so I graduated, um, and then I've, I've worked in social work ever since I've worked with, um, foster kids. I've worked with, um, children and families in their home. I've worked with kids with developmental difficulties. Um, and then, um, I've also worked with the severely mentally ill adults with severe mental illness, um, before I went to the County, um, to do my work there. So, you know, we've talked about that Hillary Clinton saying that it takes a village to, you know, to raise, and I used to kind of laugh that off and think, oh, that's kind of, you know, that, that's not me. But now that I've been doing this for so many years, it really does take a village and people yeah. like you to uh, or your organizations and on and on in and outside the church. And I didn't realize you had gone to a Christian college. Mm -hmm. I, I didn't ask her about that kind of stuff, but kind of sensed and when I talked about it, that she kind of had that heart to help. So um, <clears throat> I digress. What were they talking about? But uh, oh, the, uh, the uh, village thing, whatever. So, you know, when we first started out, we pretty much just, uh, did it with the people that were inside the church and just the resources that we had um, or just ideas that we would come up with, you know, but not really learning or not really knowing what was out there or whatever. And I think one of the first things I came across, do you know what PALS is, the PALS program? Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. So yeah. do you know uh, what's your name out there at uh, Roseville? I can't think of her name now, but um, the girl that, you know, they had the boxing ring out there and the after school thing and I know the it's program. Behind, I don't think I know any of the Yeah, it's behind the there. police station out there. Mm -hmm. I can't think of her name right now. Uh, but anyway, uh, just knowing her and, and having her uh, invite us in and uh, meeting the kids. She does like an after school thing where mm -hmm. um, it's right behind the police station. They have like a gymnasium set up and a basketball court and a boxing ring. And um, they have a room. So they <clears throat> kids come after school. They help mm -hmm. them with their homework and stuff. And then they uh, have, you know, if they have like a, an interest in becoming boxers and stuff, there's like a boxing thing. They've got a lot of trophies and all that kind of stuff. And then there's a, another after school program right down by the gathering in, I think it was called uh, Excel. I don't know if you remember mm. that or if you know that. I've not. heard of it. Yeah. Same thing where kids after school, uh, primarily demographically uh, challenged neighborhood, these neighbors I'm talking about, but uh, soon to realize that, you know, whether they were in church or Christians or non I, I didn't even know what their uh, faith was or, or, or anything about them, but just that commonality about how they had a heart to help. And so soon learned that, gosh, I mean, I don't have to do it just inside the church. I can reach out to the whole community, this village uh, concept or whatever. And once I did that, boy, I mean, it just uh, because they put me in touch with Toys for Tots and different uh, or uh, the uh, Catholic uh, St. Clair's Bill Dubrow is a guy that does what I do. Absolutely beautiful guy. He helps me with, oh gosh, uh, hygiene bags and stuff for the homeless and <clears throat> uh, furniture. You know, we kind of cross if, if somebody like uh, Kimberly, when they get into, uh, you know, Kimberly's kind of a, um, I know she doesn't mind me talking about her, saying her name because she's said it's okay. But basically, uh, and uh, Courtney knows this also, that she was homeless for, or she you probably know more about it than I do, but she was homeless for three, four or five years, I guess, or something, mm -hmm. lived under an overpass down by the, um, um, in uh, Roseville. But then uh, somehow, I don't know the real story, but probably through Courtney and other people like her getting her into a facility and now she's at Homestart. 
and it's interesting that people say, well, you know, they're, uh, they're fine or whatever, but, um, it really took a journey to get in there. Number mm -hmm. one, because of their paranoia and a lot of their mental stuff and all that she knows more about it. Courtney knows more about it, uh, than I do, but also the fact that they, they are not fine because they still need, they have very little income because they're mm -hmm. income based single mom uh doesn't work currently but she will be working <clears throat> because they get on a program where they can get uh, reasonable daycare or whatever but my point being that you know they need furniture you know yesterday they were homeless today they're in a home mm -hmm. without anything in it they don't provide furniture for them and stuff like that so just the uh, small necessities of life that we take for granted yeah <clears throat> that you know uh, so thank god there are people out there like you and i do you know elizabeth over at homestart uh, mm -hmm. the director yeah beth yeah. we'll call her beth but you know just another beautiful person because right? she cares about all these people you know, 25 residents over there or whatever so uh you know you mentioned something uh, what prompted me to uh there's a movie out i i, I can't remember it's an older movie but uh, these uh, wealthy couple were helping a um uh food you know the uh, food pantry and they were serving food and this guy walks by and he says uh something like you know what do you guys think you're doing here <clears throat> and they said well we're feeding you guys he goes no you're not he goes what and he uh, he's well uh, you know what do you think we're doing here he says by you being here you're you're you are acknowledging our existence mm -hmm. and boy that really stuck with me because i've driven by so many people and walked by them and almost walked mm -hmm. around them or kind of like the Good Samaritan thing, gone to the other side of the street to avoid them. After I heard that that comment about acknowledging their existence, and you made a comment earlier when we were talking that uh, we just size people up almost in mm -hmm. a heartbeat by their appearance or their, I don't know, where they live or something about them, and we just immediately just uh, dismiss them. Mm -hmm. That's so wrong. And so um, anyway, I, I rambled on. Did you want to say something about that or? Well, yeah, I mean, you know, I think, you know, I live in Sacramento, so the homeless population is even bigger in Sacramento, but, you know, we're quick to judge why they're in that position. And um, I think, you know, through my work, um, I have the unique ability to understand why people are in those positions. And, um, you know, so it does give me a little bit more um, patience and grace with, with people, but, um, you know, it would be nice if, you know, if people really set aside their judgments when they, when they see people. Cause even, even non-homeless, you know, you walk through the grocery store, you don't know what somebody's going through and, and what they might need or, or, or not. Um, you know, cause we're all just human at the end of the day and we all just trying to get through life the best way that we know how. Yeah. That's another great point. And, and uh, again, uh, not to keep bringing it Kimberly, but she's just such a, a poster child about uh, what we're talking about, I think, but, you know, she had a car. I'm not sure you may know more about this than I do, but she had a car was parked outside, I think a residence there on Riverside where, and somebody came through one night and just sideswiped the car, totaled her car or whatever. Mm -hmm. And the insurance gave her basically, you know, a few hundred dollars more than it was uh, the payoff or something. And she didn't have a car. So now we're, uh, there's another lady in her life, Carol DeGeneres. We've talked about her at a church and She's been helping her, and so we're trying to kind of put some funds together to get her car, but we're a long way away from getting her car again. But just something as simple as that that just mm -hmm. snubs out her. She has no friends, or oh, I shouldn't say she has no friends. I'm sure she has friends, but people that some people help her, but it's very uh, limiting 
-hmm. when you start thinking about her life compared to our life and she's only um, able to do what she can do right outside her door, basically walk to the mm -hmm. corner, walk to the food pantry, walk to the community store or whatever, uh, walk to church. But um, her, uh, my point of all that is that her world has just shrunk down mm -hmm. by not having um, the wherewithal to get out and about, you know, and I, and I talked about this before, but, and she's not embarrassed by me saying this, that she had a bad accident and I knocked out all of her teeth. And at the food pantry one day, she was talking about uh, eating an apple or something. You know, she couldn't eat an apple because, or she does eat apples, but it makes her teeth hurt and her, her gums hurt. <clears throat> and I did, hadn't really noticed about her teeth or whatever. And she goes, well, but I don't have any teeth. You know, and I said, really? And I said, I, I, well, why don't you have any teeth? You know, I mean, that seems like a pretty simple fix. You go get false mm -hmm. teeth or whatever. She goes, well, I, I, I have gone and I, I've got my imprints done and I'm ready to go. And I just need a... Uh, our ride up there, it's like a seven, eight hour process and somebody to watch my kid. And I said, well, gosh, that's a simple, I mean, mm -hmm. again, the she, uh, that's preventing her from getting her teeth. And for us, for me, especially with the people that I have uh, around us, we've all kind of come around and now she's had a glitch that she has to go through a different program or something or do some paperwork or whatever, but just something as simple as that, that mm -hmm. uh, she was worried about what she would do with her kid and how she would get up there was mm -hmm. is preventing her from something as simple as that. So again, there's that village or that community that comes around people that we just got to be more available. Like you mentioned, uh, I don't know if you use the word available, but available came to mind when you were talking that, that we just need to be more available to everybody and not be so judgmental instead of avoiding thinking how we can help them, you know, mm -hmm. type thing. Yeah. <clears throat> so, um, what would you do or what would you because uh, you deal with this a lot more than I do on a daily basis and more uh, intimately, I, I think. That's another thing that when we're doing um, outreach, we don't really. Most of the people that I deal with or that I this involve my life uh, won't. I mean, they'll do what they can do and they don't mind doing one or two things. Mm -hmm. But then if it's, uh, you know, uh, in certain people's case, like, well, I need to ride to the grocery store a couple of times a week or once mm -hmm. a week, or I need to go to the doctor or whatever. And they have certain people of us or in our circle that they'll call. So we're available, but you know, sometimes it just, it's hard to, you know, put your daily thing aside and then reach out to them and not because we're supposed to do this. I think in the faith part about it, we're supposed to do this with a gladdened heart. Mm -hmm. So I don't want to ever do this with with a resentful heart. But if I'm honest, sometimes I'm thinking like, you know, gosh, I wish you'd call somebody else or somebody would call somebody else or whatever. So I, I just got to keep thinking that, uh, you know, God has given me or has given me uh, something. And so I need to impart that to somebody else. Uh, so my question to you would be that uh, if you could uh, insti uh, institute like a program or something that would what would you think that would benefit um, the population that we're talking about? I mean, you know, in talking about dent dental work, you know, I think a lot of the stuff that a lot of the basic stuff we had to do was a lot of transportation to appointments or even just making appointments um, can be hard when you're homeless. Um, you're not thinking about going to the doctor, even if that's a very obvious pressing need. 
um, because you're just thinking about where is my next meal and where am I going to sleep? Um, and so I feel like that is such a simple thing, but so impactful because when you can access those desperate things that you need, like medication or, you know, an appointment for something, um, you know, in the long run, it can make a difference between, you know, just surviving, uh, for some people. Um, you know, so that, that's a big thing that, you know, some days it would be like, well, you know, I'm a social worker. Am I really just going to be driving people around to these things? But those are things that I think fall by the wayside a lot because, you know, when we see homeless, we think, oh, well, they're hungry. We need to feed them. Um, you know, they need new shoes they need, and those are all great things, but, um, you know, I think there's so much more than that, um, to a person and and their needs. Um, and so that's the first thing I think that comes to my mind. That is a great point. And and I think you hit the exact thing that we, I mean, if I was to uh, come up with something, that would be the thing that I would say. We do give them food, clothes, meals, but they are living from meal to meal, day to day, Mm -hmm. week to week. And they are just eking out that existence, so to speak. Mm-hmm. So that anything above that, like, gosh, making a, a, an appointment um, to a doctor. Some of them don't even have phones or whatever, mm-hmm. so they can't get yeah. a call back or whatever. But then once they get the appointment, how to get there. Um, their kid, you know, mm-hmm. when they're in the doctor's office, who would take care of their kid or whatever. So, uh, gosh, I mean, uh, I'm with you 100%, but I mean, it is such a lot. That is such a larger issue than the, you know, we can all feed them, clothe them, whatever, for a day or a minute or sure. a Thursday or a Saturday, whatever. But to be uh, integrated into their lives, you know, the scripture that I'm driven by is, is that we're supposed to love our neighbor as ourselves. So when I think about loving the neighbor as myself, my family, my friends, my wife, my grandkids or kids or whatever, if they need to go to the doctor or whatever, I mean, man, I'm there in a heartbeat to mm-hmm. grab the kid or, you know, take them to the doctor or whatever, go get a medication if they need it or whatever, pay for it even if, you know, if, if they can't afford it. So that is something that, uh, you know, um, I haven't really thought about. There's a lady at our church. Her name is Lydia. She was the um, secretary for the a pastor when he was there for years. But she had a heart like you're talking about that. We need, uh, you know, because they used to sleep outside of our church and um, and these little breezeways and stuff. And she says, gosh, we should be giving them blankets. We should be asking them, uh, how did you get to our church? Can we take you back to, a, you know, have a, mm-hmm. have a carpool, have people that we could call to be available to take them to doctors and on and on. And we tried to start it and it just wasn't received well because people mm-hmm. just did not want to be available or break away from their day or something. I don't know, but uh, I just love that you brought that up that uh, we, we need to somehow, I don't know. There's so many people that to me, when I look at some of these people and I've talked to them and uh, I, I think, gosh, they could, uh, they would be a, a totally different person if they just had the wherewithal to go to the doctor mm-hmm. or get teeth or, you know, uh, uh, be able to take a shower someplace or to groom themselves, or like you said, fill mm-hmm. out uh, applications or have a place where, uh, as you're talking about this, I'm thinking like, you know, like a room, I guess, or someplace where they could come to get uh, mm-hmm. resume uh, help going. Uh, and the next room would be 
uh, grooming or barbers or hair, uh, you know, hair mm -hmm. people or whatever you call them, um, uh, people to dress, the, you know, to, you know, dress them for the for the appointment, maybe go to uh, go to the interview with them mm -hmm. uh, as a, a person, as like a not a recommendation, but a um, like a person that would say, gosh, I know a lot about this person. He's a beautiful person or she's a beautiful person just has, has not had a lot of breaks in life. And when I'm, I'm here just to hopefully, mm -hmm. uh, you know, maybe if 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 we just came alongside them at an interview or something like that, that, that got them to that point. Uh, that would make other people say, well, gosh, you know, you've invested in them. Then, I, you know, maybe mm -hmm. I should uh, take some time to invest in them. So that's a great point that you brought up. Yeah. Well, and I think, you know, and I, I think some of this reason why people don't always like county social workers is because we do have a lot of limits with what we can do. And I think that's sort of the beauty of like the community maybe helping is, is that while maybe I have a time limit with how much I can work with you or um, mm -hmm. I have, you know, a funds limit or even, you know, some programs, they can't take people places or, you know, there's different limits to every program. And, um, you know, and so that's sometimes a big barrier, you know, because there are people that there are programs that will help you build resumes and, and get jobs, but there's time limits to those programs. And, um, you know, there's just, um, what do you mean by time limits? There's only so long that they, they, you can be in those kind of programs. Oh, I see. So okay. if, if, if you, you don't get a job in a month or something, you're out or. Well, it's a lot longer than that, well, but, I mean, um, you know, there's limits to things, you yeah. know, because there are so many people to help. We can't help everybody. And so we have to balance, you know, how we distribute our resources, you know? And, um, so definitely when I see a community member, a church member who wants to really help somebody, you know, I, I, I want to grasp onto that because that could last, you know, and those are the things that, that we want to watch out for. Gosh, I'm glad we mentioned that then because, uh, like I see, we were limited to what we could do, but now that I know there's somebody like you that, and I'm sure there are other people too, but, uh, it would take somebody like you that could put somebody in our paths to continue on what you're doing with them or whatever. So, I mean, I, I'm, my wheels are turning about, uh, you know, maybe we could do something on a peripheral, you know, after, not an after hours thing, but after the thing is done to keep them going, because I, I would think mm -hmm. that, or, or, or as you're talking, I'm thinking like, we're only going to help somebody for so long <clears throat> and then we're going to cut them off. I mean, uh, and, I, and I'm not saying that's you, but that's kind of the reality of it that we can only help them for so long and then we have to let them go type thing. Yeah. And some people don't want it. Don't get me wrong. We've tried to help. I can think of, Gosh, four or five, maybe six, seven people that they they just don't want to. They yeah. they, they won't do it. You know, I mean, we we've, we've offered to do anything and everything, and they just paranoia. Mm -hmm. um, they they, they um, panic attacks, and they, they don't like being inside. Play. They've told us all kinds of stuff, mm -hmm. so I, mean, I have to respect that or whatever. But um, gosh, it just seems like, and I've talked about this before. Of course, it's a pie in the sky type thing or a vision, but. With just the homeless in general, all the stuff that's, I mean, we've all seen it now. It's just nationwide, worldwide, <clears throat> especially in our in our country. I mean, people want the garbage cleaned up. They want all the stuff off the streets. They don't, it's, mm -hmm. it's unhealthy. It's unsanitary. So, okay, so we got that, but they're still going to be there. I mean, th th mm -hmm. that's the, you can't just say we got to get them off. I mean, what would you, you just shovel them off and, you know, where do you put them, whatever. 
So I really think that to me, and like I say, this is kind of a pie in the sky or a visionary thing, but with people like you that know a lot about uh, things that are going on and the people that are in the churches and people in the community that want to help out, it seems like we could start a, and I don't mean a city, but, but an area that if we all got together, we had dental and medical and um, psychological and resume building and grooming and, and uh, day, just all the things that we need to survive, to get going, you know, as a, as a person in our society today, if we had a city, like, I mean, I don't mean a city, but a compound, or, you know, we have to, I guess we have to start small, but an area where we had all joined together. And I'm sure that is it with as much money as we spend on everything else, we could certainly do a pilot thing about this thing, but it's always been my dream or, uh, you know, get a bunch of people off the streets and then take them this, this beautiful place. I mean, literally a beautiful place. Now it wouldn't have to be a bunch of houses. It can be, uh, you know, the old military tents that were kind of rigid, you know, mm -hmm. it could be uh, trailers, it could be uh, just all kinds of stuff or whatever, these tiny houses or whatever. Mm -hmm. But just have people there like a community to say, listen, let's get going, let's get you fixed up, let's get you medicated, let's get you clean and, you know, and then I, I don't know, I mean, it just seems like that would be a, maybe the first step that they would need that if we all got together, you and, you know, I'm, I'm talking about inside and outside the church and the community, it would seem like if we're all kind of pushing towards them or pulling towards them, then they'd have a better, you know, outcome possibly. I don't know whether all that would work or not, but what's your thought on something like that? Do you think that would work or? Yeah. I mean, I know the, the gathering in is, is trying to get uh, a new uh, location yes, um, so that they can do some right. tiny houses and, yeah. and have a transitional sort of living on their compound. So um, yeah, I think, that's all necessary and um, anything really helps. And that's a good, uh, the gathering in is a good example. They, they even had, I don't know they still do or not, but at one time they had like a dental uh, place set up there, a little, it was mm -hmm. on premises on the old dentist chair. They had on the other side of where they did the, uh, or they do the handout. They had like a, um, uh, I think on Saturdays, a doctor and a mm -hmm. nurse would come down and be available for three or four hours. Yeah. People could come in. Uh, so that, yeah, that is a great uh, model that I'm talking about right there. And then people like them in the gathering in would be able to reach out to people like us and then mm -hmm. kind of help them on the outside. But but then we go back to this living thing. I know that, and, and that's a great thing. They put them in churches every night and then bring them back. But if we had just kind of a little a little bigger gathering in type and probably what mm -hmm. you're talking about. That's probably what it is. Uh, maybe it's already existing. Don't reinvent the wheel, but um, maybe support that effort uh, to be a part of that. I think would be something that we haven't tried. Yeah. And I think that would be something investing just a little bit more. You know, we, uh, we kind of say, gosh, we've given them food and on and on, you know, what else do they want? Well, mm -hmm. a, a place out of the wind and the rain would be nice, you know, uh, right. some medical dental type stuff, you know, some medication. So, Hey everyone. Uh, I just finished a podcast a couple hours ago with a girl named Courtney McLean. And then I texted Kimberly and said, Hey, by the way, I finally got that podcast with Courtney and you're right. She's a beautiful person on and on. And she texted me back after the podcast was over, <clears throat> not knowing what we were doing today. And I just wanted to read her response uh, in her text uh, for me telling her that 
I had Courtney come on. And, um, so anyway, uh, Kimberly responded by saying, right on. And I said, what a, you know, what a great person she was. And her, her response was right on. I agree. She's awesome. She's really a good person. And you know, when I was out there and living at the hotel is when she got a hold of me. I had just gotten off the streets from being homeless and she sat me down and looked at me and she goes, you keep telling me you don't know what to do, but I do know what's best for you. You've said things like, I just have to put it in God's hands. So I decided to do just that. And through him, I put my life in Courtney's hands. And I've been so thankful that I did. So I'm actually crying right now as I am texting this because I remember how she helped me and how much it meant to me and how she held my hands and how she told me that she would do what was best for me. And due to her, today, my son Christian and I are where we are. And I just want to say how much that I love and appreciate Courtney and what she's done for me and, and our life. So I just wanted to um, bring that to you. And uh, gosh, I'm, I'm just so thankful that she, uh, that she wrote that. And I'm just inspires me to go out and talk to more people now that um, I've heard her, uh, her voice and her reaction to uh, just, you know, just uh, people reaching out. And uh, a part of Courtney's and my discussion was that, you know, what, uh, what do we need both inside the church, outside the church, secular, non-secular and, uh, to help people. And uh, I, I think you'll uh, agree that, you know, we had some pretty good ideas, nothing that would be something that we can maybe act on right away, but we just need to work together on, on these kind of things because it's, you never know who's going to cross somebody's path and what it's going to do for their life. So anyway, I just wanted to add that in there. Thank you. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Constipated Christian Podcast. However you are tuning in, be sure to follow or subscribe, as well as leave a rating and review. If you are interested in learning more ways on how to live out your faith, you can visit our website at theconstipatedchristian.org. And if you'd like to leave Bud or one of our guests a comment, you can email it to theconstipatedchristian at gmail.com. Thanks again for tuning in, and we'll see you in the next episode.